Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody today. How are you doing? Good. Um, We just got one more thing we got to do real quick before we get rolling. Um, I just sense in my heart today that that prophetic song, um, you know, when the Father's in the room, things change. And the Father's in the room today. Some of you have written yourselves off. That when you came to church today, you're like, man, if people really knew who I was, you know, even God tolerates me at best. And I'm here to tell you today that's not true. You're not here by accident. The Father is here to welcome you back with open arms. Some of you have been journeying. You've been running around trying to figure things out on your own. How'd that work out for you? Let's just be real. Sometimes we we nail it, sometimes we don't. I want to encourage you this morning. We don't come to the Father in shame. Hebrews tells us that when you need grace the most, you can come to his throne boldly. It's funny, I got an office at the well. It's terrible. Because there's smells all day of everything that I want to eat all day long. And they got ice cream. Imagine being in a place where ice cream is only a few feet away. And I'm having meetings and stuff like that. And in the midst of my meetings, if you've been to my office, how many of you have been to my office before? Some of you are like, isn't that like the principal's office? No, it's not the principal's office. But it doesn't matter who I'm with. I have a glass door there. And at any moment, any of my children, mostly Toby John Harris, every once in a while, Tori or somebody like that, will just pope in and they just, they just kind of walk in. Because I'm their father. They're my children. And there's no... What are you doing in here? Blah, 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 blah. They understand our relationship. When they come in, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, hey, can you give me five minutes? Sure, sure, Dad. And they do their stuff. But there's always an open invitation because I love them. There's an open invitation this morning with God. So do me a favor. Just bow your heads for a second. Whether you've been seeking or whether you've been far away, nothing is final when the Father's in the room. Even though you may have written yourself off, God does not see you like that. He sees you as his son. He sees you as his daughter. His arms are open, and he says, come home. If that's you this morning, take a step like what Daniel was talking about today and come home. There's no shame. There's no weirdness. It's simply the love of the Father reaching out to us. So if that's you right now, I just want you to pray. Say, Lord, Would you receive me? I want to come home. I believe you are who you say you are. I'm ready to come home. Then here's the the tricky part after this. Let Jesus love you. Oh, unlovable one, let Jesus love you. So, Father, I pray if anybody prayed prayed that, Lord, that, Father, you would awaken their hearts. In your name, everybody said Amen. If you prayed that or you're ready to come back home, before we leave here today, you come see me. See the Greek guy. And we're going to get you on the path you need to get to so you can be everything that God created you to be. All right. I'm always excited when we uh, get to start new themes. Today we get to start a new theme that I'm, I'm, I'm loving. Um, this is a meat and potato theme. I think the power of the gospel is in the meat and the potato sometimes. I mean, how many of you like, you know, you like cilantro? How many of you like the garlic and the spice? I'm a spice, I love the spices. How many of you know it's hard to live on cilantro alone? 
Man did not live on cilantro alone. How much cilantro would you have to eat in order to, to be filled? You need, in your life, if you want to grow and be healthy, you also need the meat and the potatoes. You need the, the sustenance. You need the, the, the meat, the fish, the something to grow. The gospel is built on meat and potatoes. If you get the meat and potatoes right, the other stuff happens. The supernatural happens, but we don't chase after the supernatural. We build our faith on the meat and potatoes. And guess what? Over the next two months, we're going to talk about the meat and potatoes, and that will lead to supernatural things. Um, those things that keep you alive are important spiritually, and they're also important in our life too. Uh, this week, um, we had an interesting thing happen. Uh, we all, the Harrises, we, we, we try to, we, we battle this thing called uh, getting bigger in our lives. So we have to work out. We got to do stuff. I'm a diabetic. We all work out. We do our own stuff. I, I work out three days a week. Uh, Tori likes to run, and she's a night runner. So when it gets dark out, that's when she gets on her little shoes, and off she goes. Now, I always tell her, say, Tori, I'm a little nervous about you running at night. I don't care about any man or anything that she may meet, you know, with anybody with ill intent. You know, I'm worried about those Sasquatch and those Chupacabras and those things, you know. But she's pretty fierce. She takes care of herself. So she's out running. It was a little earlier when she does, when, than she normally does because it was at dusk. And I get a call from her, Dad, I need you. Now, when your daughter calls you like that, she's out on her lawn, how many of you know the dad part of you kicks up? And I'm ready to respond. So I put on my slippers. Because <laughs> I'm winding down. It's getting dark. And I said, where are you? She says, I'm in the driveway. I said, I'm out. I run out there like a flash. Well, I walk quickly. Let's just be real. <laughs> I get out there, and Tori's just sitting there. She's looking at me with these puppy dog eyes. I said, what's going on? She goes, look. I said, honey, I'm looking right at you. She goes, no, Dad, look down. And I look down, and lo and behold, I see this. And she looks up to me, and that little lip starts to come out, and I look at her, I go, no, because I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I said, we're not bringing a wild creature into this house. She goes, Dad, but he's cold and he's wet and he's going to die. And I was like, you know, have you seen The Lion King? It's the circle of life, right? <laughs> if it dies, it dies. It's okay. So I don't know what to do. So I call somebody here. They said, you got to call the bird sanctuary. They take in these birds. I said, okay. So I call the bird sanctuary. And of course, they're closed for the night because normal people are sitting on the couch. They're not running looking for geese. So I look at my daughter and said, listen, we're going to keep this goose for one night. Don't name the goose. <laughs> Don't, we're not going to give it anything extra that it might need. We're going to keep it for one night, and in the morning, we're taking this thing to the bird sanctuary. Get you a box. Not even going to put it in the house. We're just going to put it somewhere else. Get a towel, a ratty towel, not a good one, because this thing's not staying. Okay, Dad, let, let, go back one slide. Go back one slide. L look at her face. That's what I got to battle right there, them puppy eyes. So you can go to the next one. So we get a little box out and put a towel in it. I said, now listen, in the morning, we, that thing's going to the bird sanctuary. This is not going to be like one of those sitcoms, you know, like Family Matters, where they hide this bird in the house for a week away from dad. We're not playing that game. Again, don't name it. It'll be fine. Okay. So as they were getting ready, the bird was cold. So I said, well, the bird can stay in the house. That's it. Keep it in the box. We're done. So I wake up early the next day. And I'm going to check on the bird because if this bird's dead, I want to be the one that finds it, not my daughter or somebody like that. So I go into the spare room where the bird is hanging out, and I see this in the thing. There's a stuffed animal in there. 
Again, I said, don't make this bird comfortable. There's a heating pad underneath it. It's basically having a spa day. The, the, the bird's having a spa day. I'm looking, I'm like, doggone it, they're trying to keep the stupid bird. And I hear from behind me, how is Ryan? Is he okay? I turned around and said, who's Ryan? She goes, it's the goose. I said, I told you don't name him. She goes, but his name's Ryan Gooseling. <laughs> and I'll give it to her, that was witty. I said, don't you name this thing. I said, listen, the bird is going to leave. Well, I don't need another animal in this house. I got Toby John. I don't need any other animals in this, in this house. Okay, we promise. I said, I don't know who put the stuff. She goes, don't worry, the bird will be totally fine. So I had to go to work. I looked at my wife and said, do not. TJ's not playing. You get this thing to the bird sanctuary. And Tori goes, Dad, you don't have to worry. The bird will just stay in the box. He can't even get out. So after I leave, 10 minutes later, Robin sends me this picture. <laughs> the goose had already stayed. He's checking the place out going, hmm, it's pretty nice. I think I'll stay right over there. So we eventually, just so everybody knows, Ryan Goosling is no longer in the possession of the Harris house. He's at the bird sanctuary. If you happen to see him out at the park, tell him we said hi. <laughs> so we got him to the bird sanctuary, and, and, and they were very impressed with how they, they cared for, for little, the little bird, the little Ryan. Um, so what did we do that was so extraordinary? Nothing. We just gave him the basic things that he needed to live and a name. Again, I hate those names, but and a name. Well, how do, you, how do you keep things healthy? Well, we kept that goose healthy for a day by giving him common things, essentials, that he needs to live. He needed shelter, needed heat, and apparently part of the essentials is a fluffy stuffed animal. I didn't know that, but apparently it is. If you take care of people's basic needs, they grow. They're healthy, and they're designed to live. Now, the same thing is true for us as believers. We have these spiritual essentials, these things that we need to do in order to be healthy, in order to have a healthy faith. Again, healthy things grow. Sometimes in our faith, we try to be spiritually healthy, but we don't take time to do the essential things that give us spiritual health. So then our faiths become lesser than what they're supposed to be. God designed your faith to be vibrant, to be full, and to replicate. That's what abundant life is. And sometimes our faith is settled for lesser things. Why? Because we don't do the, the essential things that we need to to have a vibrant faith. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a deeper look at these faith-building elements. Now today we begin with one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us. Himself. The ability to hang out with God, the ability to communicate with Him, to have a relationship with Him. Have you ever, ever really thought about how ridiculous it is that the God of the universe has invited us to have a relationship with him. The God that created Saturn, the depths of the ocean, the highest mountains, and the platypus wants to hang out and have coffee with you. Have you ever thought about how ridiculous that is? Well, it is ridiculous, but it's true and it's a gift that we have. Well, how does he do that? Well, he does it through the element of prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is one of those things that we... Um, we sometimes struggle to define. You know, if you grew up in high church, whether that's the Catholic church or the Orthodox church or even the Lutherans to some degree, you know, some of you have encountered prayer and prayer are crafted prayers. Some of you could say the All Father like, 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 like the back of your hands. Some of you can do the Hail Marys because you were terrible children. You need to do 727 Hail Marys. Thank you, Father, and you just do your stuff. 
What is prayer? Sometimes prayer can be confusing. This is some of the definitions of prayer that we got from some of the smartest people that we've had when it comes to faith. Billy Graham said this about prayer. Prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. Doesn't get much simpler than that, does it? You know, to have effective prayer, you don't have to have these and thous and thithers. All you have to do is have a heart that wants to connect with God. Mother Teresa said this about prayer. She said, for prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. What does she mean by that? Well, prayers are not just, we don't just offer prayers in times of need and calamity. True prayer happens when it's a Tuesday and you just want to hang out with God. You know, when's the last time you just hung out with God and you prayed just because you loved him? You know, like the Lionel Richie prayers. I just called to say, is that, no, no, that's Stevie Wonder. To say I love you. When's the last time you talked to God like that? Right? Or I love this. This is another a great thought about prayer from St. Augustine. He said this, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God's thirsts that we may thirst for him. He thirsts so that we would thirst for him. And then I love what, um, what Henry uh, Nouwen said. He said, prayer is the most concrete way to make our home in God. I just love that. Think about that. The goal of every believer should be to make our home in God. So connected with God that the lines blur. When people hear us speak, they hear God speak. When people experience love from us, they experience love from the Father. The primary way that that happens in the life of a believer is through prayer, that connection point that we have with him. So what does prayer look like in the life of a believer? What are the meat and potatoes, the practicalness, or the practicalness of what prayer looks like? Well, I think when you look at prayer, I think you can break it down into three primary elements. Things that if we can get a hold of that God can use to deepen your relationship with God. First, prayer embodies confession. Now, what is confession? Now, when I say confession, some of you get all these ideas that pop in your head. Some of you think of a box that you sit in. Somebody sits on one side, the priest sits on the other side. How many of you have ever been in a confessional before and you've done the confessional thing? Now, for some of you, that's a quick thing. For other of you, you know, that's a, it's like a three-day event, right? Where you get in there and then the, the priest listens to you or the elder on the other side and after they listen to all the terrible stuff you've done, they come up with a human solution to tell you, okay, you need 72 Hail Marys and a bunch of these things, then you get up and you leave. Is that what confession is when, when the Bible talks about it? Well, maybe parts of it, it's, it's made up like that. You know, when you think of a confession, you know, sometimes um, um, we kind of get, get mixed up because we have our own ideas of what that looks like. This is the actual definition for confession. If you look at dictionary.com, it says this, acknowledgement to admit things to be open. Confession at its core is this, to simply be real with God. This takes place, confession takes place when you look at your life and you can identify through the power of the Spirit the parts of your life that are lacking or those places in you where you've missed the mark. Now, how many of you know that it's tough sometimes to admit when we're wrong? Do you know anybody in your life that struggles to admit that they're wrong? By the way, don't point at anybody. I see hands in the back going, I married him. <laughs> I'm kidding. By the way, if you don't know anybody in your life that ever can admit that they're wrong, that person is probably you. It is. I don't know anybody. I, I just don't know because I'm always right. We're not always right. We aren't. It's hard for us to admit that we're wrong. 
And it's even harder for us to ask for help when we're wrong. We don't like to ask people for help at all. So what do we do? We put on this front. I show you what I think you want to see. And in the church world, we project this image of perfection that just isn't true. We think that nobody in this house has any problems. Trust me, as, as your pastor, my office is a train depot for people's problems. It is. One of the greatest things you have to be able to do as a pastor is be able to listen to the extreme brokenness in people's lives and help them to understand your brokenness does not disqualify you from God's love. And one of the things you got to understand, too, it doesn't mean that, that you're terrible and worse than everybody. It means that you're human. Because all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. But what do we do sometimes? We try to pretend that we're something that we're not. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever found yourself trying to pretend that you're something that you're not? Maybe you even pretend that you got it all together. You know, all my ducks are in a row. And some of you don't even know where your ducks are at. I saw them back in 2019, and they've been gone since then. Um, my father, um, you know, my dad was one of these guys that, uh, I don't know why, he had this ability uh, to, to pretend that he was great at everything. Now, he did this back in the day before you had Google, the fact checkers that could tell you stuff. So my father, I, growing up, I thought my dad was the greatest man to ever lived. I thought my dad, you know, developed like the steam engine, thought he came up with a cure for, for polio, you know, my dad was great at pretending, you know, he could just do whatever. And uh, Google was the worst thing that ever happened to him. Because the kids figured out at some point that their grandfather was just making stuff up sometimes. I remember one time we were going to this picnic. I don't know why he did this. This is the funniest thing ever. We get to this picnic, we're sitting at the table. And one of the guys at the table was talking about how he had experienced and was learning how to, to be a falconeer. That is, if you don't know what that is, that is training animals to hunt for you. I don't know what's more manly or cool than hunting with an animal. I'm not talking about a gun. I'm not talking about a bow. I'm not even talking about like a knife. I'm talking about training a creature to go get dinner for you. And I'm not talking about DoorDash or any of that. I'm talking about a real creature, a falcon to do this for you. So this guy at the table is talking about how he's, he loves to be a falconeer. And I hear my dad speak up. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I falconeered for years. Now, at that point, I'd known my father for 47 years. In 47 years at our house growing up, I never saw a falcon, never saw a bird, never saw the equipment to hunt with a bird. I'm telling you this right now. If I ever picked up falconeering, everybody on the planet would know that I did that. My Facebook profile picture would look just like that. You know, never even heard the name of a bird. So I'm sitting there, and as my dad's saying it, it's so unbelievable. My kids are there. I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this moment to make my father as uncomfortable as possible because I'm going to start asking him questions about this hobby of falconeering. So I said, Dad, that's incredible. I said, I didn't know you were a falconeer. What kind of bird did you use? He says, you know, the falcon kind. I said, what color was your bird? He goes, you know, kind of a birdie brown. I said, what was the name of your bird? He goes, you know, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> and as he kept throwing stuff on the table, it was very, very evident that my father had never even owned, he never even owned a canary, let alone a falcon. 
So we got done talking, and it broke up a little bit. My dad leaned over me. He goes, TJ, I got to confess something to you. What's that, Dad? He goes, I'm not really a falconeer. I looked at him like with shock. No, are you serious? Because you had everybody convinced that you were. Now, it's funny. We talk about stuff like that with extreme things. But we do that every day. We pretend like we got everything together with everybody every day. How often do we do that with our faith? How often do we do that with our, with our families? How often do we do that with our weakness? We try to make our lives appear to be something more than they are. This is my prayer for you. My prayer for you is this, that your life is as cool as you make it appear to be on Facebook. Now, do me a favor. I'm not saying put all your dirt on Facebook either. That's bad. Nobody needs that. They don't. Why do we struggle to be known? We struggle to be known because we're afraid that if people really knew us, we'd be rejected. They would throw us away. So we hide ourselves from people. And we even sometimes hide ourselves from God. It's hard for us to confess things. It's hard for us to look at things. Think about this. We hide who we are from the creator of the universe who knows all your stuff and still loves you. You hide it. You know, we, just, we don't even talk about it. As if God doesn't know. As if you could say something that's going to shock the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. By the way, you, know, we, we, you can't do anything that's going to shock God. You can't. So we hide ourselves. So when you confess things to God, what we're doing is this. You are allowing those things in you that are keeping you from God, you're allowing him to deal with those things so that he can bring you closer. Because all of those things that are in your life that are contrary to him, they separate you from who he is. So the Holy Spirit as a believer comes in and he convicts us. Again, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you. The Bible says this, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Con condemnation sounds like this, you stink, you're terrible, you should just die. That's condemnation. God doesn't come from God. That's not God speaking to you. Conviction sounds like this. Son, daughter, I have better things for you. Don't do that. Get this out so that we can be better, so that we can be closer. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you confess, the conviction kicks in, and it actually brings you closer to the Lord. It does. It's part of the process. Confession gives God permission to engage and deal with those things in your life that just missed the mark. That's the power of confession. This is what the Bible has to say about confession. Now again, this is one of those verses that almost every believer, you need to have this one memorized. This is 1 John 1, 9. It says this. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our, fins, our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When you hit those bumps in the road, when you fail, you confess them to God, and what does he do? He forgives and he cleanses. That's what he does. No, no, but pastor, i got to jump through all these hoops. 1 John 1, 9. You confess, you give it to the Lord, and you leave it there. He said this, and again, this is, if you want to take another step, it's a beautiful step. This is James 5, 16. It says this. Therefore, confess, uh, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person is great power as it's working. What makes you righteous, by the way? There's not a what that makes you righteous. There's a who that makes you righteous. It's not about all the stuff you do because you can't do enough. As a believer, 
you are put into the righteous category. And according to the scripture, the prayer of the righteous is very effective. That's you. God's talking about you. Our prayer life has to have an element of confession in it. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us because the more we allow him to work in us, the closer we get to him. Let's practice it. Shut your eyes for a second. I want you to think of your day. Think of your week. Think of that thing that you struggle with. And right now, between you and the Lord, just confess it to him. Say, Lord, will you forgive me for this? I know this separates you from me. Maybe you talked bad about somebody. Maybe you gossiped. Maybe you kicked a goose. I don't know. Just tell him right now what you did. And then, part of confession is listening for his response. All right, open your eyes. How did it feel to do that? Did you feel burdenless? I mean, that's how this this works. Now, if you want to take this to another step, find a buddy, find somebody that you can trust with your life and let them be an accountability partner with you. Confess those things to them and be healed. That's the first part. Second is this. If you want to have an effective prayer life, you need to be able to deal with your concerns. You take your concerns to God. What are our concerns? Your concerns are all of those situations and those things that are just beyond your capacity to handle and to deal with. You know, do you know that God created you to live dependently on him, to trust him completely? He created us not to be independent, but to be interdependent with him and with each other. He did. To trust him. You can trust God. He's good. In fact, this is what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He says this, the paraphrased version, if you trust me, you listen to what I say, and you do what I ask you to do, your path will be straight. Now, he didn't say your path would be easy. He didn't say that your path would not be in the valley of the shadow of death, but he did say this, the path would be straight and he'd be with us. That's what he promised us, he did. So dependence on God for us begins with inviting God into all of our situations, sharing your concerns with God and then walking those things out. It's natural for us as believers to share our needs with him. All of us have concerns. We all do. And then there's an invitation from God in the midst of our concerns to bring those to him because he loves and he cares for us. I can tell you this. As a parent, I love it when my kids need me. I do. I love it when my kids that have everything figured out. You anybody have a kid that's got anything figured out? If you have a teenager, your kid knows everything. Right? They figured it out. Then somebody told me around their mid-late 20s, they come back, their minds start to grow again, and they start to realize we have more wisdom than they thought we did. But is there anything better? One of your kids sits down and says, Mom, Dad, I need your help. Something in us kicks in. It says, man, I love you. I'm here to help you. God views that with us too. When you confess things to him, he's waiting for you to lay your concerns down so he can step in. This is what Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. What is that? An invitation to bring your concerns to God. Psalm 34, 17 says this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. By the way, who makes you righteous? That verse is about you. 
And then 1 John 5.14 says this, And we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he gives us what we ask for. He does. When you trust God with your concerns, you put them in the hands of God, your concerns, you put them in the hands of God, the only thing that can be a solution to your problems. But what do we love to do? We love to talk to everybody else about all of our stuff, even though only God can deal with those things. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid to tell God about your concerns. No matter how small you think they are, God wants to hear about them. Now, there's one other thing that the Bible talks about in this situation that's pretty nifty when it comes to talking about prayer. Prayer is also something that believers can do together. It's a participation thing. Matthew 18, 19 to 20 says this, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For two or three gathered together as my followers, I am there among you. How many of you are here today and you have a need? Lift your hand if you have a need in your life. Anything. This is what we're going to do. Keep your hand up. Look around. Find somebody who's got a hand. Put your hand on the person right next to you. Reach over. Everybody has to have a hand on somebody. And I just want you right now to take a minute and pray for them. You don't even need to know what it is. Ask God to just, you know, pray for that person, whatever that thing is right now. Just pray. We know that they have a need. That's enough. All right, look up. We don't need intergalactic prayers right now, just, just short and sweet right now. How did it feel to know that somebody was praying for you? How did it feel to just have somebody on your shoulder just praying, even though they didn't know what it was? Did you feel your spirit lift? Did you feel like, you know what, I think maybe we got this? It's one of the powers of the church, and we just don't do it. I don't know why. Don't be afraid to find somebody to pray with you, to pray for you. So again, let's bring this home. I know I'm running a little late today. That's okay. Your lunch is fine. <laughs> if it's, well, I'm not even going to say that. So when we talk about prayer, again, as a believer, when we pray, we confess. We ask God, we give him an invitation to deal with those things that are in our heart. You pray, you let him deal with those things. As a believer, again, God loves it when you, when you bring your concerns to him. He loves it when, you say, when we say, Daddy, I need your help. He loves that. So we confess, we bring our concerns and and last, this is one of the greatest things that prayer promotes, connection to him, connection to God. Prayer is the main way we engage and we foster a deeper relationship with God. Beloved, hear me, hear me on this. Sermons are great, podcasts are great, all that stuff is remarkable, I love it, I'm a bookworm, I love to read that stuff. None of that takes the place of building a personal relationship with God through prayer. We're not talking about knowledge. We're not talking about insight. I'm talking mano y mano, getting to know God, God allowing him to come and to be part of your life. Nothing replaces. If you want to have a deep relationship with God, connected with him, you have to pray. You do. We're not talking about knowledge. We're talking about prayer and understanding who he is. Communicating with God every day is the greatest catalyst to your faith. It just is. Spending time to get to know God is essential in the life of every believer. 
And, and understand this, beloved, we, we get into trouble when we know about God instead of knowing God. Don't get stuck in that getting to just knowing who he is is, is different than, than, than actually knowing him. When you don't really know him, then we don't truly represent who he is. And that's when we as churches start to veer. That's how we can have people that call themselves Christians and picket funerals for people that are good, that have died. That's when we can engage people and they say, well, th those Christians just hate people because let's just be real. We have people that call themselves Christians that really do hate people. Well, how do you veer so much? They don't know God. They don't know Jesus. Again, here's a little practicing to put in your life. If you're about to say something and you can't hear those words coming out of the mouth of Jesus, keep your mouth shut. Just don't say it. Keep your mouth shut. Jesus is the litmus test. And if you don't know who Jesus is, here's, I tell people this all the time, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you need to get connected with, with God in flesh, read the Gospels. And you see the life of Jesus, it'll surprise you the things that are in there, and it'll surprise you the things that aren't in there. Anchor to him. This is what the Bible talks about, again, getting connected to God, knowing who he is in your faith. John 15, 7 says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done. This is the same passage in the Passion Translation. It puts it this way. If you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it'll be done. I love that connotation. Being in life union with Christ. Prayer connects us more deeply to the person of God. You have to move from knowing about God to knowing God. There's a difference. I remember we were in, uh, in Florida. We were youth pastoring at a church in Brooksville. Grace World Outreach, a great church. And I was at a Christian bookstore doing some stuff. This lady came up to me. She was asked, we just start talking, small talk. And she goes, where do you go to church? I said, well, I go to Grace World Outreach. She goes, that's a phenomenal church. It's a great church. I said, yeah, it's pretty cool. She goes, I know the youth pastor there, T.J. Harris. He's the coolest guy on the planet. I'm going, hmm, tell me more. She said, they got a dynamic youth group. This guy's on fire, blah, blah, blah. She goes, we're close personal friends and blah, 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 blah. She goes on and on and on and on and on. And I'm like, this is just amazing. Because I knew at some point this would be a sermon illustration. 30 years later. So she goes, what's your name? I said, it's the craziest thing. I said, I'm T.J. Harris. She goes, the T.J. Harris? I go, yeah. I said, and apparently we know each other. We didn't know each other. And she kind of got embarrassed and kind of walked off. Isn't that funny? Guys, we do that with God all the time. Don't just know about him, know him. If you know him, your faith takes a different dimension. It just takes on a different dimension. You can speak with authority. You can speak with passion. This is one of the things, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a minute just to say hallelujah. One of the things I love about our worship team is this. You look up here, you see these guys week in, week out. They know Jesus. I've been a part of teams, they just put in the word. We just put it in, let's get out of here. There's nobody up here that puts the stuff in. They know Jesus. I want somebody leading me in worship that knows, hey, I was with Jesus just a few minutes ago. Hey, let me tell you, he's right here. You want that, be that in your faith. When people get around you, be the person when, when calamity hits where they go, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know where to go. But, but Bill, Bill knows Jesus. I got to get a hold of Bill. That's who we want to be. If you want to have a faith like that, pray. 
Get connected to him. Jesus just doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. He gives us a real invitation for a relationship, to be, in, to be intimate with him. Revelation 3.20 puts it this way. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. He's knocking. There's an invitation. He'll come in and you'll share. Is there anything better than sharing a meal with somebody? You know, honey, get out the pasticcio. Jesus is here. <laughs> That's the invitation we all have. That's not some far-off deity. That's not some far-off God. That's a God that wants to know you, so be known by him. So in order to build that connection and that relationship to be healthy, we're almost done. It's no different than any relationship we have here on the planet. To build that connection, you have to communicate. And in communication, you have to listen and you have to speak. Everybody say, listen. Say, speak. Now, notice I put listening first because most of us stink at listening. We do. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason to remind us you need to listen more than you speak. In fact, most of us, we don't listen to hear. We listen to respond. I'm waiting for my, my moment so that I can tell you what I think. When's the last time you listened and said nothing? We can do that. We have the ability. God gave us zippers for our mouths. Right? You can do that. So what does this look like? What does it look like, you know, to listen? By the way, let me just get rid of one thing too. I hear people say all the time, well, God just doesn't speak to me. I have a response for that. <laughs> he does speak to you, and you can hear him. Everybody in this room has the ability to hear God. You don't have to be an intergalactic believer to be able to hear God. You don't. You can hear God for yourself. Why? Because of John 10, 27. Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If you follow God, you are designed to be able to hear his voice. You can. So how does God speak to us then? Well, he speaks to us through a variety of different ways. As believers, we need to be open to how he speaks to us. First, he speaks to us through the, power, through the, through the Holy Spirit. You know, Daniel talked about that earlier. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That is the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to you. He tells you things about the heart of the Father. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, he said this, the Father is sending a great helper, the Holy Spirit, in my name to teach you everything and to remind you of all the things that I've said. That still small voice inside of you is the Holy Spirit leading you and he's guiding you. You know, sometimes when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think, oh, I don't need that weird stuff going on in my life. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't even be a nominal, boring Christian. When you give your heart to Christ, the Spirit comes in and He invades your soul. And He does, you know, it's one of those extreme makeover things. He starts moving stuff around. Now get rid of that. There's no more Cheetos in here. And He puts things in place. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Second, He speaks to us through Scripture. Do me a favor. Don't come into my office and cry how God is just silent. And the last time you read your Bible was like 12 years ago. If you come in and you're like, God, I'm asking for stuff. The first thing I'm going to ask you is, when's the last time you picked up and read your Bible? So just be ready for that. If you go, I got to find that thing. No, no. He speaks to us through the word. That's why you got to have your nose in the word every day. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. Ouch, ouch, ouch. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us, what to do, uh, uh, te- teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If you want to have a purpose in God, get your nose in the book. Here's another way he speaks to us, through creation. You ever had somebody say, well, when I go fish, I feel God. You know, when I go golf, I feel God. When I go to golf, it is, I don't feel God at all. Because I'm busy looking for my ball, which could be anywhere in the continental United States. Does God really speak through creation? He does. He does. Challenges sometimes we just don't pick our heads up to look. This is what Psalm 19.1 says. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour, they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. His creation echoes. There's a creator. There's a creator. There's a creator. And the last, this is my favorite way that God speaks to us. Any way he wants to. How dare we put God in a box? God, you can speak. You can do anything you want except that. God, I'll do anything. I'll go except that. It's like a meatloaf song. I would do anything for love. Exactly. We sing that to God all the time. Do you know the crazy ways that God spoke to his people in the book? He used dreams. He used visions. He used burning shrubbery. That's a cool name to say bush. He even used a donkey one time to speak to somebody. If God can use a donkey, you, my friend, are a candidate. (laughs) He can use anything. For me, one of the ways he speaks to me, it sounds crazy, is like through through music and movies. And he always kind of gets me by surprise. I remember I took the kids to see Finding Nemo. They were small. I'm watching Finding Nemo. I've got my popcorn. Everything's great. And if you've ever seen Finding Nemo, it's a little fish, and the little kid fish goes away, and, and the daddy fish has got to go find him. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm just here putting in my time as a daddy. And God spoke to me and said, son, that is my pursuit for you. You're the little fish that's gone away. I would move heaven and earth to find you. So I'm, I'm right in the movie theater. The tears start flowing. The stars, and I'm like, oh, my God, you love me like the And I'm talking to the kids. Do you see this? This is God's love. And they're like, dad's losing it. Get the, get the goobers away from him. He may choke to death. I'm crying. This is the greatest movie ever. And people are like, shh, shh, shh. That's how God speaks. Be open to not put God in a box. Don't, now again, are there rails and things? Absolutely. You know who sets those rails? God, not us. Job 33, 14 says this, for God does speak, now one way, now another but nobody perceives it. Jeremiah 33 says this, call to me and I'll answer to you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So we, God listen, we listen as God speaks to us. And then, then we speak. What does it mean to speak to God? That means that you can share who you are with him. It's safe. God is safe. He wants to hear your voice. Psalm 5.3 says this, in the morning of eternal one, listen for my voice. In the day's first light, I will offer my prayer to you and watch expectantly for your answer. Jeremiah 29, 12 says this, then you will call on me and I will come and pray to me and, and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. And then, this is nuts, when we speak, even when you don't really know what to say. Have you ever had those things where you're like, you're just totally 
like a dish rag. You're like, God, I don't even know where to start. Even in those moments, the Holy Spirit inside of you kicks up and starts to intercede for you and pray for you, even when you don't even know what you need. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Here's the bottom line. The more consistently you spend time with God, the deeper your relationship comes, the more spiritually stronger you become. And you become a better reflection of the life of Jesus on this planet. Do me a favor, bow your heads for a second. We had a good day in God's house, haven't we? This is what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute. I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask him this question. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me in my life personally about prayer? What do I need from you? For some of you, God has been asking you, like what Daniel said earlier, to take a step. It's time to get out of the boat. For others, you've, uh, you've stumbled. And God's wanting to bring you home. Prayer is reestablishing that connection with God, that communication line with him. Ask him, say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me? And then listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.